Hey, good morning and welcome to Crossbridge, whether you are on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. We are just glad that we have the opportunity and even the privilege to be able to still meet on Sundays. Uh, whether it's through social ministry, our social media, digital ministry, combining those two words to make it fun. But we're just so glad that we have the resource to be able to do that. And as, we, as Jake was singing, uh, we started off this worship set with the first song of Unstoppable God. And isn't it just so cool that not even an illness, sickness, a virus can stop us from worshiping the King of Kings? Uh, we know that we can't meet together, and this might be your first time tuning in. This might be your uh, fifth, seventh, whatever time it is that you are with us here at Crossbridge. Um, and so I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Jordan Chitwood. I am the young adults pastor here at Crossbridge Community Church and also a teaching pastor. And so I have the privilege of being able to do life with the staff, the elders, the congregants, individuals who call this place home. And we are just so glad that we serve this unstoppable God that no matter what is going on in the world, the chaos that this life brings, we can still worship together. And so I want to invite you today to do exactly that. We know that this is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it's a different feel, but we still believe that we can connect with God on spiritual and Holy Spirit levels. And it can be really powerful when we dive into what God has. But in order for us to get there, I want us to start off with something uh, that we usually actually don't have the opportunity to do in person, and that's kind of a time of prayer. And so this is going to be really cool what I want to do today for social media is whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or joining us on Instagram Live, I want to enter into a short time of prayer to get our hearts in the right place. And here's what I want to ask you to do. I know that these next coming weeks are going to be extremely difficult, and this past week was probably very chaotic. And so I would love to invite you to be bold enough to take a step and post in the comments either a prayer request or a praise where you see God working. I know it can be a little bit challenging and even discouraging for you to take that step and put your prayer request out for the whole world to see. But I would challenge you to do that, and here's why during this time. Because wouldn't it be so cool for us as a body of Christ to be able to see everyone's prayer requests in the church, everyone's praises, comment back on their prayer requests and praises, and let them know that we are praying for you. And so I want to invite you into this time to take this and take ownership over your life, to say, God, I am giving this to you. And if you are a bystander watching today and you see somebody post a comment, a prayer request, maybe a praise of how God is working, I want to challenge you to like that comment or to comment back that you are praying for them. I think it would be so cool for us to just take over Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram with the power of Christ through our praises and our prayer requests. And so during this time, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I want to invite you to do the same via the comment section and engage with one another. Let each other know that you are praying for each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You're unstoppable. You are the king of kings. Not even a virus can stop you and shut you down. We are just so privileged and grateful that we have the opportunity to meet here today via social media and digital ministry. Something that you placed on our heart, God, a few years ago, and then we put into effect really this last year, and we had no idea that this 
was coming. But God, we are just so grateful that we still have the ability to meet today. Lord, I know that this life is so chaotic. It is filled with terror. It is filled with fear, anxiety, depression. It's also filled with a lot of good stuff. Maybe families have the opportunity to slow down and reconnect through family nights, game nights, watching movies, hanging out. Maybe students have the opportunity to learn in a different atmosphere, challenging them to take some next steps in their education. Maybe some individuals who uh, were struggling with their job have some time to be able to process, what am I valued for? And am I supposed to be doing something else? And so we lift up those praises for you during this time. But God, we also know that there are so, so many prayer requests. And that this life really just took a 180 for us. Well, we're not used to this. And honestly, God, we got comfortable. We got used to our everyday routines. And this has shocked us. And so, God, we lift up all the prayer requests. Maybe there are individuals who are not able to work right now because of government restrictions. And so they aren't able to support their family financially. Maybe there are individuals who are a part of the elderly community and aren't able to go shopping because of the risk of getting sick. And so they are staying home. Or maybe there are individuals who are extroverted who are struggling right now because they aren't able to see their friends every single day or even once a week. And so they're struggling with that. God, we just know that there is so much chaos going on right now. And as the comment sections fill with prayer requests and praises, God, we just want to be the body of Christ that lifts you up and thanks you for this digital ministry, that you are unstoppable. God, we do all of this in your name. Thank you for using me today to be your microphone. In your name I pray, amen. Well, we are in a seven-week series called, wait for it, (laughs) Seven. And the subtitle is actually my favorite. It is Seven, a man, a myth, or a messiah. We're going to be talking about Jesus for seven weeks leading up to Easter, preparing our hearts, going through the Gospel of John, looking at different signs and some of the miracles that Jesus performed, and how they show and are signs that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But here's what's so important about this series today, and throughout this seven weeks, is you have to wrestle with that subtitle. You have to get to a place where every single day, you wrestle with the question, do I believe that Jesus was just a man? Do I believe that Jesus was just a myth? Or do I believe that Jesus was a Messiah? the king of kings, God's son. And this is a question that I believe you have to wrestle with every single day because as life changes, as chaos erupts the world that you are living in, such as today, uh, you have to get to a place where you are uh, wrestling with that question and, and picking up your cross daily, claiming that you do believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And so we are going to be looking at the different signs that John talks about in his gospel that point us to this Jesus guy who was a man, who is not a myth, historically was accurately a human being, and and historians will agree on that. But the question that you have to wrestle with is, was Jesus the Messiah? 
And so one of the stories that we're going to be looking at today is going to hopefully provide us some evidence that Jesus is the King of Kings. But before we get to that today, um, I wanted to start off with a story as I was processing some of this stuff uh, this week and just thinking, and I was actually talking with my wife last night about the message a little bit. And this story came to mind that is another just cheesy example of something terrible that Jordan does, but is hilarious. And so we're going to talk about it. Uh, and I'm going to laugh at myself because Jake and Bruce don't laugh at anything I do. So uh, maybe I can get them. Actually, that was a lie, okay? Bruce laughs at every single joke anybody makes. He's my biggest cheerleader. Now, Jake, if I can get Jake to laugh, then I, then I know that I'm funny. Um, actually, Jake has one of this type of sense of humors where he will uh, say something sarcastically, but then you wrestle with it. Okay, was that true or was that sarcastic? Okay, that was just a fun fact, not a part of the message. Take that as you will. And when we see you in a few weeks, you can ask Jake about his sense of humor. All right, so back to the story. Uh, when I was in high school, some of you know that I did speech and debate. And I started freshman year and competed in public forum debate, which was two-on-two, and then also competed in uh, different speech events where I would write my own speeches, kind of like a sermon, and then I would present them on a Saturday morning. Well, me and my debate partner, senior year of high school, we had the opportunity to qualify and compete for the national debate tournament. And so uh, we qualified for the nationals. It was held in Kansas City, Missouri. And so we traveled down there. I believe it was like a 10 to 12-hour drive. It was like 100 degrees, humid. It was so hot. We were in a, a bus that we took all the way down there. No air conditioning um, for the 12-hour trip. It was awful. But uh, there were about 10 of us that traveled. It was such a good time. And so as we were competing, how they set up nationals is if you moved on to the next round, which I believe you had to win six of your 12 rounds that you competed in, if you moved on to your next round, then you got to continue to compete. But since it was a four-day competition, uh, the debate was only for two days, okay? So your, your, your first round was only for two days. And if you did not move on, then you had to go into uh, kind of like knockout rounds, basically, um, just events that weren't a, necessarily a part of your main event, but they were still a part of the tournament. And so my debate partner and I, we won five of the, uh, of the 12 rounds. We were one round away. And so we got knocked out after the first round. Anyway, uh, the event that I then registered for was called Impromptu. And what Impromptu looked like is what you would do is you would receive a topic, and you would have about 30 seconds to think about it, and then you had to speak on it for five minutes, okay? So I went into this room, um, ready to go. I picked out my topic, and they set it up a little bit differently where they actually had you pick out three topics, and then you got to choose out of the three what you wanted to speak on. And so I was looking at the three, and I had no idea what any of these three topics were. And sometimes that's the risk that you run in debate and speech and life is where you just dive into something and you have no idea what you're doing. And so of my three topics, the one that I chose was cat burglary, okay? And you might, as you hear me talking about this, know exactly what cat burglary is, okay? You know exactly what it is. Me, being an ignorant individual, had no clue. 
And what I talk about often with my friends in speech and debate is I was only good at communicating. I rarely knew what I was talking about. And so often in my debate rounds, my debate partner would actually write on pieces of paper things for me to say, and I would just say them verbatim. I wouldn't actually know what I was saying most of the time. And this was the case for cat burglary. So I took my 30 seconds, and I gave what is arguably the best speech of my life, okay? What I did was I came up with a speech about how we need to have individuals who go house to house and rob and steal all of the cats of the world and get rid of them. And now we just lost some viewers that are cat lovers. I'm terrible. I know. It's so awful. Okay? But I believe that I could put a spin on this and make individuals uh, go into houses, rob the cats, be a cat burglary so that we could rid the world of cats and then only have dogs. I know. Pray for me. Okay? But uh, as I left the round, I was so proud. I gave it all I had, everything I was. And my debate coach actually said that it was the best speech I ever gave, and he was so proud of me. I did not move on to the next round, <laughs> uh, rightfully so. But um, it was one of those cases where I gave it all that I had. I did my absolute best. I put everything into it. And the results were not what I hoped for. And I think that is so true for so many of our lives today. So I want to ask you the question, when is a time in your life where you gave it your absolute all? You put 100% in, you did your best, and it just did not follow through the way that you had hoped for. You know, it could be something uh, a little bit funny or humorous like myself, where um, maybe you are in a uh, job application, and I guess that's not funny if you don't get the job, but uh, you get the job, you end up going through, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to just be all out, just be my complete self and everything, and, and you know, people just might not like you. And that's part of the risk that you run when you are an individual applying for different jobs or uh, for different careers. It could be maybe that you were trying to impress a guy or a girl growing up, uh, to take you to prom. And so you put together this huge invitation inviting people to, uh, uh, you know, the dance. And maybe you went all out and it fell through. They said no. But at the same time, it could be something a little bit more serious where you might wake up every single day and say, God, this is all I have to offer you. I'm struggling with anxiety today. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with uh, thoughts of suicide. Maybe you just lost your job because of the chaos of life that is going on, and you are saying, God, I literally have nothing left besides this. This is all I have to give you. And you are not necessarily seeing God come through. And so whether it's seriousness or a little bit humorous today, I want us to wrestle with that concept. And here's the bottom line, the thing that I want us to be talking about throughout today, is that I truly believe that all you have is all that God needs. All you have today is all that God needs. And I don't mean that from a sacrifice standpoint where you should give every single thing that you have away. We've done sermons about that topic but today what I am wrestling with for that mindset is that you might wake up today and say, hey, God, this is all I can give you today. This is my 100% best, and it might look like dirt. <laughs> and that's sometimes life. But I truly believe that God can use our dirt for something powerful. He can use our mess for a masterpiece. And we're going to be looking at that concept today. So if you'll turn with me to John chapter 6, we're going to be wrestling with the gospel of John, where John is showing these signs that prove that Jesus existed and walked on this earth, but also that Jesus was not just a man, 
but that, we, that he was also a Messiah. And so as they're wrestling with some of these things, the context leading up to John chapter 6, as you turn there with me, I just wanted to provide. Jesus had just healed um, an individual uh, who had been struggling with an illness uh, for, for, uh, uh, for, for the time being. And so Jesus heals this individual. And then the Pharisees, the, the Jewish leaders come to Jesus, sorry, the Jewish leaders come to Jesus and they say, hey, not only did you heal this individual who was sick on the Sabbath, which you're not supposed to do any healing and you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, but you also said that you were the son of God, which would have been blasphemy. You were the Messiah. You claim to be so. And so Jesus is having this conversation with these Jewish leaders and talking with them and wrestling with them about this topic and these questions that they are proposing. And then he excuses himself. And so we're going to go to John chapter 6 to pick up the story of where Jesus is. And we're going to be talking about five pieces of bread and some tasty Swedish fish. So if you turn with me to John chapter 6, this is what John writes in his gospel. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. You see, the Jewish Passover festival was near. I want to stop there for a second. So Jesus had just excused himself with his disciples um, from after healing and performing a few miracles already that we've talked about in previous weeks. And then what we have is a situation where a, a crowd starts to form to follow Jesus. And uh, so, so uh, Jesus has this opportunity to either confront the crowd or excuse himself. And we pick up the story back in John 6, 5. And so when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And you see, I think it's so funny. Um, as I was reading this story, I often believe that Jesus has a sense of humor. I have to believe that because I've got a sense of humor. I'm the funniest guy I know, okay? Hi, my name is Larius. If you don't get it, I'll pray for you. And so all of this stuff, we've got this where Jesus has a sense of humor. And here's an example of that where I've got to imagine that Jesus is joking around and he's looking, he's like, hey, hey, Peter. <laughs> I'm laughing, I'm cracking myself up right now. Look at, look at what I'm about to do. Hey, Philip, what are we going to do with all of these people? What could possibly be done? How are we going to feed all of these people? Hey, watch, watch for chaos to erupt. And Philip then says, I have no idea, Lord. How are we going to feed? It would take a half a year's wages to feed all of these people. And even if we did, they would only have bread for each one of them to have a bite. And then we pick up the story in verse 8. And so then uh, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And so we've talked about this before. I think John, um, you know, again, uh, women being treated often as less than human in this culture, they would only count men. Um, and I believe that was for the census as well, but I could be wrong on that. And so when they would count for these stories and, and for this being 
being truth, but also a historical document, we probably estimate that there were anywhere from 8,000 to 13,000 actually in attendance, depending on how many women and children were there. And so we have 5,000 men, probably anywhere from 18 to 13,000 women and children included in all of that. And they come to follow Jesus. And now I want to stop here for a second and break down what is probably happening. You see, a bunch of individuals have seen Jesus already heal the sick. And in this culture, they would look towards their government, their kings, their royalty figures, individual spiritual leaders to heal and to provide for them. You see, the church was set up so different in their culture. Actually, uh, during Constantine's time, about, uh, I believe it was about 300 years after the death of Jesus, um, it it was, uh, then it was, uh, you know, um, uh, put into place, uh, you know, some different rules about churches. But, but in that time, what church looked like is the government um, or our taxes would actually provide and pay for churches to run and operate on a daily basis. There wasn't the separation of church and state that we have today. And so if I was a pastor or um, a, a priest or the pope, whatever it looks like in their day growing up um, for the, the rising Catholic church, and then I would actually earn my wages, if I was a part of the, one of the first churches, I would earn my wages based on what other people provide, based on the government, sorry. And individuals looked towards their kings, looked towards their spiritual leaders to provide for them. And so what's probably happening here is this large group of people has seen this Messiah, this individual, perform miracles, heal the sick, rise people from the dead, love on individuals in so many different ways. And a lot of them are probably living in low-income families. Um, and, and so they are like, hey, if we can go see this guy, this Messiah, maybe he will provide us something to eat, okay? And so then we pick up the story in verse 12. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled the 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over and those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet, the one who is to come into the world. They saw a sign of Jesus. They saw the miracle where Jesus fed probably to eight to 13,000 with just five barley loaves and two fish. And they were a huge crowd, probably following Jesus for days. It wasn't just this situation where they just packed their bags and then went to like a conference at the Coliseum for just a couple of days. Um, We know that we have that luxury in our town, but they would have had to pack up what they were doing if they were to go follow a rabbi or in this case, the Messiah or a prophet to hear them teach. They would probably follow them for a long time. And so it was very unlikely that if they packed any food, um, that they actually had some left over. And so what's so cool is that uh, this individual, which we're going to talk about in a second, provides five loaves of barley bread and two fish. And Jesus does the unfathomable with little. And he performs this miracle. And John writes very specifically here, it is because of this sign. It is because the witnesses were there, the sign from Jesus that they saw that they believed that he was the Son of God. Verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, 
withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And so when we talk about this Jesus guy, this Messiah, you see, Jesus wanted to make it very clear that he was not going to be your typical king. He was going to heal the sick, like we saw in chapter 5 of John. Talked about that last week, I believe. Heal the sick. He was going to feed the poor and the hungry, like we see in John chapter 6. He was going to raise people from the dead. Spoiler alert that we're going to see in John chapter 11, I believe, with raising Lazarus. And he was going to pursue individuals who were broken. And that was the gospel for him where he was saying, hey, this is the good news. This is what it looks like to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. To spread the word of God through our mouth, through discipleship, through evangelism, but also through pursuing people that are broken, that are hungry, that are sick. It's almost like this story was perfect for the time period that we're in right now. We are using discipleship and evangelism through digital ministry, and we are attempting to be the hands and the feet of Jesus by pursuing the sick, by grocery shopping for those that are not financially able to or physically able to, and we are pursuing people in relationship and connecting as best as we possible. And so I believe that if John was writing this story today, he would literally take COVID-19, the situation that we're in right now, and quote a story from the church. How is the church being the hands and feet of Jesus, using digital ministry for discipleship and using relationship by being the hands and the feet, pursuing the least, the lost, the lonely, and the forgotten? Isn't that so cool how the Bible is this story that continues to point us to the sign that Jesus is who Jesus said he was. But it brings us back to this theme that I want us to talk about, this theme that says all you have is all that God needs. And I want to wrestle with that for the remaining few minutes of us today because I know that you might be struggling today. I think that is a very confident, I make that blanket statement very confidently because I know that my life has been turned upside down too and I still am able to work. It's a little bit different because I'm working from home for the next four weeks and running a lot of our, uh, you know, videos and digital ministry stuff. And it's just such a transition to try to adjust to the chaos that life brings. And so I can't imagine for individuals that are not financially able to work or not physically able to grocery shop what these next few weeks will look like and could be extremely difficult, Um, whether it's financially, whether it is uh, with illnesses, whether it's your relationship with God. But I also think that it's important for us to note that there are so many people that are struggling with anxiety during this time, with fear during this time, with depression, with thoughts of suicide, with um, whenever we have this lack of community, it is so difficult for those that are extroverted. And for those that don't know the difference between extrovert and introverts, extroverts are individuals who refuel their energy uh, by being around people. Individuals are people, or introverts are individuals who refuel their energy by isolating themselves and taking some time to themselves. I am more introverted. Marissa is more extroverted. And so she told me if Indiana ever does go on lockdown where I'm not able to leave the house, Marissa said she's going to go crazy. I told her she already was crazy, and she didn't like that very much. And so uh, I just said, it's not going to be any different, Marissa. You can hang out with me for 14 days if this happens. And so we're processing that right now, but we know that there are so many of you right now. 
Also, just maybe, uh, you know, individuals a part of the elderly community, um, those that are in retirement homes or assisted living homes, um, or my, you know, even my grandparents who, because it's a little bit more unsafe for them to go out, uh, I think it's so important for us to video chat, to talk on the phone, and to not forget about the elderly or the widows as well. Um, you know, especially with my mom during this time, something that, you know, I've talked to Marissa about as recently is just like, hey, um, she doesn't have my dad during this time. And that can be extremely difficult. And you might be in a similar situation where you're widowed or uh, you're single um, and, and maybe living by yourself in an apartment. And so I think it's so important that we recognize that there are people who are struggling for so many reasons today. So many reasons. And if that's you today, um, I want you to either comment or private message us right now and let us know. Because we want as a community to be the hands and the feet of Jesus like we see in John chapter 6. We want to be able to feed the hungry. We want to be able to heal the sick. And we want to be able to do life with people. Now, obviously, we can't gather as a group of eight to 13,000 people right now, but we can do so via Zoom call, FaceTime, Skype, um, FaceTime, or sorry, Skype, you know, being a free account, video chat. We can do so on the phone. We can talk in that way. We can text back and forth. We can write letters. We can engage in different ways. It's just going to be a little bit different, and just like we see in John 6. But however you approach today, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, I want to be able to recognize um, that you don't have to be at your absolute best right now. I actually want to give you permission to be a complete mess. And so if you're feeling like that, if you are feeling broken, if you are feeling like a mess, if you are feeling worthless, if you are feeling anxious, fearful, depressed, I want to give you permission to feel that way because life just took a 180. And then I want to encourage you for a second. And I want you to think about this for a few seconds. Like we talked about, God only needs whatever you have to offer him. All you have is all that God needs. It does not have to be your absolute, absolute best performance. You could wake up today and say, God, this is all I have to offer. I'm a complete mess. I am broken. Or you could wake up today and say, God, I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling good. I am ready and willing to pursue other people in relationship. But I want to give you permission to be a mess because God can turn that mess into a masterpiece. And this is why I think it's so important that we gather that theme from this story. We don't know about, a lot about the little boy um, that provided the five loaves of bread and the two fish. It's actually just one verse that we have about him uh, that, that Peter's brother comes and says, hey, guess what? I found this little boy. We also have the luxury of the story where it goes from one line to the next and we know what happens. I imagine what happened in between those two verses is the disciples went out scavenging for food. And like I said, these people were hungry. They were either hoarding their food, part of what, again, what we're probably struggling with today. They were either hoarding their resources or they just didn't have any. And I think it's so cool that we have this little boy who says, hey, you know, I know there's probably 13,000 people here. This isn't much. Philip, Andrew, Peter, John, Matthew, Jesus, this isn't much. Um, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you all I have today. 
And I pray that God's going to make the most of it. And so as we walk through that story, Jesus takes those five loaves and those two fish. And I've got to imagine it brings us back to, I believe it's in Matthew 20 or Matthew 21, where Jesus says, those who have the faith of that of this child, I mean, they will inherit the kingdom of God. Where all this boy had, and who knows how long he was traveling with Jesus, it's all speculation. But again, often when groups followed a prophet, they would follow them for long periods of time. And so who knows if this was a meal that this little boy's mom had given him to hold on to for the journey. And he said, you know what? If this Jesus guy is who this prophet and Messiah says he is, I'm going to give him all I have today. And Jesus turned that small amount into something amazing and fed the 5,000. But this isn't the first time that God does something like this. We have a few examples throughout the Hebrew Bible where Jesus, or sorry, where God uh, uses his prophet Elijah to go to the, the, the woman who has a child and they are down to their last meal, their last uh, uh, jar of flour and of oil. And Elijah says, if you make this final meal for me, if you give me all I have, God will make sure that you never thirst and you never hunger again. And so she takes the risk. She takes all that she has, regardless of how small, how much of a mess it is, she takes the risk. And she says, here you go, God. And then God makes sure that the jar never empties. We also have the example where Moses in Exodus, he's like, God, I've got all of these people. We are being chased by the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. All I've got is this stick. All I've got is this staff. And we are separated between freedom by a sea, by a body of water. And God says, I can use that stick and make something powerful out of it. So he puts the stick in the water, and the sea separates, and they walk through it. God, time and time again, uses the little, the least of what we have, and turns it into something amazing. So here's what I want to close with today. I want to give you a few practical next steps so that we can be the church via Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, in person on text, through letters, sorry, not in person, but on text through letters, engaging in our community, so that we can say, God, this is all I have, but you can make it, and that's all you need. You can make it powerful. And so a few practical next steps. First, uh, if you are someone who is a part of Crossbridge, you call Crossbridge your home, and you are interested in being a part of a team that writes letters to other Crossbridgers, letting them know that we're thinking about them, we're praying for them, please private message us or comment down below, and we will reach out to you and give you a few addresses of people that you can reach out to during this time. If you are physically able and the government still allows us in the next coming weeks and are willing to grocery shop for the elderly or for the sick, and you're saying, hey, that's a practical next step. That's something I'm willing to do, and you'd love to be a part of that. Um, financially, we can help you uh, cover the cost if, if the families aren't able to. And so we'd love to invite you to, again, comment below and say, I would love to grocery shop, or private message us and say, I'm willing to grocery shop for people. And please reach out to us that way. If you are willing and interested in joining our prayer team during this time, uh, we would love for you to comment and reach out to us. We have a form that you have to sign um, just to say that, you know, that you are going to protect the prayers uh, of some of, uh, and the stories of some of the individuals and the lives. But uh, joining that time, that's another practical next step for you to take. Where all you have is all God needs. 
That's what I want to leave you with today. To invite you to be the hands and the feet of Jesus through spreading the gospel and through pursuing the sick, the elderly, and the poor. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. And we're so grateful for you and for today. It looks a little bit different. Church does. Physical church does. But the body of Christ, the the ecclesia, the movement, the church does not look any different. We still are your hands and feet. And so I pray as we take some of these next steps, God. Now, we move mountains during COVID-19. Thank you, God, for who you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, If you're on Facebook and maybe this is your first time tuning in, we'd love for you to like our Facebook page, hashtag ad. Uh, We're posting about 10 videos a week right now um, for our digital ministry. Some are devotional, some are spiritual, some are just engaging, fun videos. Uh, You can also subscribe on our YouTube page, hashtag ad, or follow us on Instagram, hashtag ad, just to keep as engaged in our community as possible during this time. Uh, Don't forget to give online, crossbridgecommunity.org. Just press the donate button. Um, Thank you for being with us today. We hope to see you next week or Thursday at 8 o'clock for Generationally Speaking. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time.